I'm going to call this week's sermon Disowned and Condemned. Because both of those things happen to our Lord Jesus in these verses. Matthew 26, 69 through 27, 10. Disowned and condemned. The spotlight shifts slightly off of Jesus for just a few verses to recount what happens to two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and Judas. Jesus has made precise predictions about both of these men in chapter 26. And what do you think happens to both of them? Exactly what Jesus predicted, right? Exactly what Jesus predicted. Because Jesus is not just tripping and falling into the events of this crucial day. Jesus is not backing into them accidentally. Jesus is mysteriously in control of them. We've seen this again and again. While he is not doing these evil things, in some mysterious way he is choosing them. He could turn this whole thing upside down, but he doesn't. He could stop it all dead in its tracks at any point, but he doesn't. Because it's all a part of his father's plan, of their plan together, of the triune God's eternal plan. Jesus knows what's going to happen, and he still goes through with it. And so, of course, what Jesus predicted would happen to Peter, and what, of course, what Jesus predicted would happen to Judas is exactly what happened to Peter and to Judas. That's one of the main takeaways we should get from this short passage. But I think we can also look at Peter and look at Judas as kind of anti-examples. As examples of what not to do, what not to be like. Both of them fail Jesus here. Both of them are tragic stories. One is worse, a lot worse than the other. But I think we can learn from both of them. As Jesus is disowned and condemned. Let's pray together and then walk through this story and see what we see. Let's pray. Father, it's been a good morning just to reconnect with the, the brothers and sisters here, to sing of your great love for us, to hear it played in song, to contemplate our work as worship, Jamie's in particular, to think about the wild game dinner, to recount 128 years of your faithfulness to us as a church. To send the kids back to Children's Church to, to go hear about Jesus. Lessons at their level. Lord, it's good to be here. And now we contemplate your word. We, we come face to face with it. We want to read it carefully. We want to see what's here and what you are saying to our church this morning through it. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive your word. Lord, this, these words are terrible. It is so dark. It is so evil and wrong. And we're supposed to feel that when we read it. That's something you're doing to us when we read it. And all along, we're to see your hand. All, all through it all, we're to see your plan. We're to see this majestic king full of self-control who, who walks through all of this and doesn't stop it because he's doing your will. 
And Lord, it's a mirror too. It's a window to see Jesus, but it's a mirror to see ourselves. Help us to see ourselves aright, truly, and to not be like Peter and to not be like Judas, but to learn from their anti-examples. We pray this in the name of our King, the Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you remember where Peter is at this point in the story? The Apostle Peter. All of the disciples have abandoned Jesus, just like Jesus said they would. They scattered. You strike the shepherd and the sheep scatter. So they fled into the night. Verse 56. But verse 58 said, we saw this last week, that Peter, he ran into the night, but then he followed at a distance. And he he went to the courtyard of the high priest where he tried to hide in plain sight. Right? I mean, they're looking for them out in in the darkness, perhaps. So he comes into the light and he sits there. He wanted to know what was going to happen. He wanted to know what was going to happen to to Jesus. We know what has happened to Jesus. He's getting a beating. They're spitting on him. Have you ever had anybody spit on you? They're making fun of him. They put a blindfold on him and they're spinning him around. And they're saying, who touched you? Who hit you? They're smacking our Lord. That's what's happened to Jesus. But all along, Jesus has been fearless and in complete control of himself. How about Peter? Peter, who this very night, just a few minutes, hours ago at the most, has claimed that he would never fall away from Jesus. That even if he had to die with Jesus, he would never disown him. How's Peter doing? Peter's going to chicken out. Look at verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard... And a servant girl, not not even someone in authority, came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. He said he'd never do that. And now he has. Jesus has just fearlessly owned up to his identity inside. But Peter is full of fear on the outside, and he turns away. Verse 71, then he went out into the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man, but he does know the man. He just had supper with the man. He just ate the Passover with him. That man just washed his feet. 
that night. He was just praying with the man in the garden. He kept falling asleep, but he was there. That man had wanted him with him to pray. Come away with me and pray. He had just tried to save that man by cutting off a guy's ear. I don't know the man. Now this oath he uses is not profanity. It's swearing on something greater to prove your sincerity. And it's something Peter knows that Jesus said not to do. Remember Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you've made to the Lord. But I tell you, Jesus says, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Why? Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no, Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Well, this was coming from the evil one right there. I don't know the man. I swear it. The very thing Jesus was preaching against, using an oath to lie. Verse 73. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of them, for your accent gives you away. Y'all got that Galilean accent. Then he began to call down, look at this, curses on himself, and he swore to them. He's saying, strike me dead if I'm lying to you. He's calling down curses on himself. I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Why did Peter do this? Well, he was scared, wasn't he? When push came to shove, Peter was frightened. He had that rush of adrenaline when he pulled the sword and he cut off the guy's ear. But when the heat was on, Peter was frightened. And if we are honest, we all know how he felt, right? You put yourself in Peter's shoes? You think, oh, well, I would do better. That's what Peter thought too. We've all done it. If you haven't, I have. Given a chance to stand up and stand with Jesus, if there is some pressure, if there's something to lose, I have often failed. I have disowned him. Now, I have not actually said, I don't know Jesus. I don't know the man. I've never said that. I sure acted like it. I have hidden my association with him many times. 
It's easy up here. Pastor Matt with his big booming preacher voice and he yells and he talks about Jesus this and Jesus that on Sunday mornings. Well, you all came to hear that. It's a lot harder out there, isn't it? Here's how I want to put it as a point of application for us today. Number one, don't turn away from Jesus. When given a chance or an open door, don't shy away from it and pretend you don't know the man. Don't chicken out. Walk through that door. Don't be ashamed of knowing Christ, of of saying, I'm with him. And you're like, yep, okay, good, I agree. Yep, I'm with that. I don't mean right here. It's easy here. I mean out there tomorrow. I know it's easier said than done. Look at, look at Peter. He thought he could do it, and he failed. He told Jesus that he was wrong about him. There's a song by a, a, a new Christian band called Poor Bishop Hooper. I do not know why, they, why their band's name is Poor Bishop Hooper. It sticks in your head. I guess that's good. But they have this song called uh, Peter Denies Jesus. And the phrase that runs through it is, Jesus, you're wrong about me. You're wrong about me. In other words, I would never do that. I'm not going to disown you. And the song ends, Jesus, I wish you had been wrong about me. I wish you'd been wrong about me. We've got to be honest about ourselves. We can be real chickens. We chicken out when we think we have something real to lose. But at what cost? What might, be, what might we be really losing? Do you remember what Jesus said at the mission teaching in Matthew chapter 10? Verses 32 and 33, he said, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before them, before men... I will disown him before my Father in heaven. You see what kind of danger Peter was in? Peter was in danger right then of being disowned by the Lord before the Father. And look what it did to him when he realized what he'd done. When he remembered what the Lord had said just hours ago, hot burning tears ran down his face and he goes outside and he weeps bitterly, a broken man. Matthew never mentions Peter's name again. From here to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Peter is not mentioned again. Now thankfully, we know from the rest of the Bible that Peter repents. Peter returns. Peter is restored by the Lord. Peter is one of those who will, after the resurrection, meet Jesus on the mountain in Galilee and receive the Great Commission. But Matthew wants us to have this image of Peter burned into our minds, weeping bitterly at what he's done. Ashamed of having been ashamed of Jesus. Of turning away from him. Don't turn away from Jesus. I've become convinced that we need to focus on bold evangelism in 2020. 
daring to share the good news about Jesus even when it hurts, especially when it hurts, especially when it feels risky. Was Peter at risk? Yeah, he was. He just cut off a guy's ear. You think about that. If Peter gets identified as that guy who did that because he's associated with this Jesus guy that they're beating in the next room and are soon going to execute, what might happen to Peter? Yes, he's at risk. But Jesus is worth the risk. Whom do you need to get bold with? Maybe it's somebody you need to invite to the wild game dinner. We're going to have a good one this year. Is there someone you need to muster up the courage to talk to about the Lord Jesus? Peter is the guy who first said it. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He got it. A plus. But now he's saying, I don't know the man. Don't turn away from Jesus. The leaders of Israel sure turned away from Jesus. In fact, they decided to put Jesus to death. Look at chapter 27, verse 1. Early in the morning, to give some semblance of legality to this farce of theirs, all the chief priests and the elders of the people came to the decision to put Jesus to death. They bound him and led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. So this trial is now going to move into its second major phase. We have seen the Jewish phase, and now it's time for the Roman phase to begin. The Jews are done. They've done their rushed job and have reached their unjust verdict. Jesus is worthy of death. Let's send him over to the Romans to get the job done. And they bind him. They tie him up. And they led him. They, they bundled him up and they took him where he shouldn't have had to go, our Lord. And they handed him over to the Roman prefect of Judea, a wicked and cowardly man named Pontius Pilate. Nobody ever names their kids Pontius anymore, right? Because of this guy. Pontius Pilate had the Roman authority to crucify our Lord. For 10 years he reigned from 8026 to 8036 in Judea. Jesus is not just disowned. He is also condemned. You see how this just gets worse and worse? This next part is far worse than the part about Peter. I think Matthew puts it up next to juxtapose these two men and their two stories. Here we find out what happens to Judas, who was also one of the twelve. Matthew is the only one of the Gospels to tell us this part. Verse 3. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the thirty silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said. For I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. He didn't just weep bitterly. He gave up in complete despair. 
Look at how heartless these priests and elders were. It's no wonder that Jesus condemned them as snakes and fakes. They don't care for Judas in the slightest. After he has served his purpose, he was of no use to them. They just discard him like a used-up Kleenex. They didn't care that he'd had some kind of change of mind. They didn't care that Judas was burdened by Jesus' innocence. What's that to us? That's your responsibility. Get out of here. That's not true, by the way. Yes, it was Judas' responsibility, but it was also on their heads very much so. Here's the saddest part, though. Judas almost repents. Doesn't he? He almost repents, but he doesn't. He gets started with repentance, but then he doesn't go all the way. What is repentance? We've said it again and again, right? John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And repentance is a 180, right? It's, go- it's not just stopping the direction you're going in, but it's waking up and turning around. It's waking up to your sin, owning your sin, but it's also turning away from your sin and running to the Lord. And Judas doesn't do that second part. He can't see himself doing that second part. He fails to do that second part. Here's point number two. Don't stay away from Jesus. I read a great illustration of repentance this week. It's like you're going on a train. You ever been on a train? Yeah, some of you. You're going on a train one way, and all of a sudden you're like, i got to get off this train. The train stops at the station. You get off the train. And then you get on the train going the other direction, going back home. That's what repentance is. Judas got off the train, but he refused to get on the train going back home. For whatever reason, he was still too full of himself. He couldn't see himself doing it. He didn't trust Jesus. He saw him as innocent, but not as forgiving. Whatever, whatever reason, he did not repent. He stepped off the train, and then he stepped in front of the train. Just like Jesus had said he would. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about Him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Judas changed his mind, but he didn't change his heart. And he didn't run back to Jesus for forgiveness. He stayed away from Jesus and committed suicide. Don't be like Judas. We have all betrayed the Lord at times in our lives. Every sin is a betrayal of our Lord, isn't it? Every sin is treachery. Every sin is treason. And we deserve death and hell for it. But Jesus went through death and hell for us so that we don't have to. And Jesus invites us to come to Him for forgiveness and come to Him for cleansing. He says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So don't stay away. Come to Him. Run to Him. If you have never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I invite you to right now. Don't stay away from Jesus. 
Don't say, yeah, yeah, I'm bad. And stop there. Say, yes, I am bad. And say, Jesus, save me. And he will. Don't keep him at arm's length. Don't just half repent where you agree you've done some things wrong, but you aren't willing to come to Jesus for salvation and forgiveness and hope. Judas was full of despair. But you and I, we don't have to be. Don't stay away from Jesus. Find your way to Jesus. Because Jesus is the way. It's so tragic that Judas would die this way. And it's so tragic to see how the chief priests responded to it. Look at verse 6. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, It is against the law to put this into the treasury since it's blood money. (laughs) You think? There they go again. What a bunch of hypocrites. As if they care about the law and about justice and about doing the right thing. They only care about keeping the easy little detail laws and neglecting the big moral justice laws. It's blood money. Yeah? Who made it blood money? The blood of Jesus, the innocent man that you guys are killing. Well, we can't use this for the temple. It might pollute something. (laughs) When they're the very people polluting the temple. Verse 7, so they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That's why it's been called the field of blood to this day when Matthew wrote this. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 silver coins, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. That's actually a fused quotation from Two Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah and Zechariah, Matthew tends to cite the bigger prophet to stand for the whole. It's a fulfillment of the words of Zechariah and the actions of Jeremiah, quite a complex little thing, more complex than it looks like at first glance. But Matthew knows what's going on. Matthew knows that once again, the Lord is fulfilling his prophetic word in the events that surround the Messiah. Even the wicked, sinful, evil actions of these bad men are woven into the plan of God to achieve the salvation of God's people. By the way, this is the last time that Matthew will use his favorite word in this book, fulfill. But everything that follows from here is still fulfillment. Jesus is fulfilling the plan of God by being the way to God and going to the cross. Don't turn away from Jesus. Own Him. Don't disown Him. Tell the world every chance you can get that you are not ashamed to belong to Him, especially when something is at risk. But when you do turn away, and we all do from time to time, don't stay away from Jesus. Repent. Get off that train going the wrong way and get on the train coming back to Jesus. Find your way back to Jesus because Jesus is the way. Amen? Would you pray with me? Lord, we are weak. (laughs) I hate it that I see myself in Peter. 
I hate it that I see myself in Judas. But I need to. This, you gave me this Matthew so that I could see myself. Help us to have honest, humble self-assessments. And help us to change. Help us, Lord, to not turn away from Jesus, to not disown him in daily life. Tomorrow, when we go to work, this week, when we're out in the community, when we're with our friends, our neighbors, our family, our co-workers, help us, Lord, to own up to Jesus and to say, I'm with him. Especially in those situations where it might be hard, risky. Give us courage. Give us boldness, Lord. And when we fail you, Lord, help us to not stay away from you, but run to you. Because you're so full of mercy, so full of grace. I pray for anybody here who has never yet done that for the first time, to turn away from sin to, and to come to Jesus, to repent that they would do so right now. That they would turn away from their sin and trust in the Savior who went to the cross for us, who did all of this for us, who endured spit on his face for me, who shed his blood so that we could be saved. What deep, deep love of Jesus. And Lord, for anybody who is right now just struggling with guilt and shame about maybe whatever's happened this last week or whenever, I pray that they would turn from that sin, but also they would run to Christ and be forgiven, to be cleansed, to walk in newness of life. And to say, thank you for loving me. Oh, how I love Jesus back. We love because you first loved us. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.